And we are live for the WMA Today podcast, episode 83, the 2nd of 2022. I am your host, Drake Riggs. Welcome. Great to have you guys here. Hope you're doing well on yet another lovely Monday. I apologize for the delay. Had to work out some scheduling things and work on the shitty connection, all sorts of things, but couldn't fix it. Thank you for tuning in. If you are here on Twitter, good to have you. But if you want to comment and interact, head on over to YouTube, Scraps YouTube channel. Uh, link should be on my Twitter where you are watching if you are on Twitter. And if not, then that's the other place you'll be. So don't forget to like, share, subscribe if you are on YouTube. Hit that notification bell so you always know when we're going live and having other videos drop, all that kind of thing. Or if you're not watching live, watching or listening live and catching up the day after or whenever after the episode on replay, or you want to you want to listen on uh, audio only, you have that option too on Spotify and Anchor, the WMA Today podcast. Just Google it, it should come up, or you can find it there, yada, yada. You know how it goes. So, what is going on, everybody? Good to see you all. Rain is here. Alvin is here. Jimmy is here. Jen, Centro, good to see you. Scott is here as well. And immediately, right out the gate, Rain dropping a Phantom Punch prediction for the end of the show. Don't forget, you guys, we're doing predictions now for the Phantom Punch breakdown as the episode goes on. So throughout each episode, you can guess the fighter will be breaking down at the end of the episode as Rain here is giving us Zhang Jingnan, the panda, since she is fighting this week. And that she is. We will be talking about that on this episode, as I should probably have ran down the lineup already, you guys, if you've stuck around for these first two minutes. Appreciate you. Uh, since there is nothing to recap and we are getting to quite the fight week right now, I will be giving you my predictions for... Some things to come out of 2022. We did that last year. Steve and I did on uh, the episode following the award show episode. So we're going to do that again here today. Same exact categories was kind of fun. So we'll be looking at my breakout, my three breakout fighters who I think they will be in 2022 and then the most likely to become champion in 2022. So feel free to get your guesses in there as well. And then news, of course, and it is a division-heavy news cycle this week, you guys. Practically all about one division. Take your guesses there as well. Not going to spoil that. But uh, yeah, a lot of action in one division across the globe. Mostly UFC, but yeah. And then we have uh, four, four events to at least talk about and mention. Uh, Invicta is back kicking off the new year strong with that long awaited rematch between Ashley Zapatella, Alicia Zapatella, excuse me, and Jessica Del Boney, among many other great fights. One heavy hitters going down, as uh, Jingnan was mentioned there by Rain. UFC Vegas 46. Everybody is pretty much getting in on the action except for Ryzen and Bellator. So that is a good amount. Uh, we'll miss them and see them soon, of course. But, and then after that, Close the show with the Phantom Punch Breakdown, as we always do. So, let's get into things a bit, and feel free, you guys, to ask questions throughout the entire show. 
we can chat it up there is uh whenever i'm solo happy to have you guys be the co-hosts as you're always the good happy friendly lads and ladies if you uh define as either one <laughs> no judgment so James is here. Good to see you, James, as he is asking a question right out the gate, saying, how come last week both of you guys thought the chat would be offended when your guys' fight of the year was Rose versus Whaley, too? Whaley was doing clever tactics. I thought that was a great fight. Um, Well, it was all jokingly, really. Uh, <laughs> you know, and obviously because of the Whaley fandom, because it was a fight that she lost. I'm sure, that is kind of where our subconsciouses were at with uh, those kind of jokes and whatnot. But uh, no, it wasn't serious. We didn't think you'd be super upset, James. Just that we're all having fun here. You know, we're all having fun together, hanging out. Didn't think you guys would be mad at that. And uh, I mean, we would have done it anyway as our vote if that was, if we didn't really worry about that. But <laughs> no, not exactly the case there. Uh, Rue predicting Michelle Nicolini week. Okay. All right. Great BJJ player in one championship. Um, da, 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 uh, Scott going with Janessa Moranjan. A little bit of a wild card take there. I like it though, Scott. Da, da, da. And everybody asking for ghosts predictions already. Haven't seen an appearance from him yet, so maybe he's not here today. Maybe Ghost has other things going on, you guys, but uh, plenty of time for him to show up still. But either way, he will share them if he would like to. Uh, and Scott going with Hope Chase. All right, I love these uh, these guesses you're throwing out right here. Very off the wall, I would say. But all right, so with that in mind, you guys, let's just get on into uh, the lineup now officially with uh, predicting the breakout fighters of 2022. Feel free to share yours as well. Always happy to hear from you as we will kick off with mine. And I did not do these separately. So you're going to see them all at once. And then we can talk about them all at once as well. So <laughs> to begin the picks for breakout fighters of 2022, this was very difficult. Actually, I didn't think it would be too hard to pick because last year I looked back at who I chose for last year and um, not great. I didn't, my predictions were not correct. <laughs> I mean, they weren't bad, but they didn't break out necessarily. So last year I looked back at it and I chose Kanako Murata, of course, who was getting in the UFC, uh, Mungbo, both of them lost, uh, fairly, fairly convincingly. I mean, Mungbo's was closer. Uh, and then Luana Pinero. I think that was the other one I chose. And she, she did fine. Obviously had some weird stuff happen but i wouldn't say any of those three broke out so swing and a miss on all three strikes for me in 2021 and then this year um it was a lot more difficult because i didn't pick anybody who i don't think you can have been a champion i, don't, I think you should count out people who have been champions in you know bigger organizations so for example I was thinking about putting Emily Dakota on here at first. And then I was like, ah, well, I mean, fucking killed it with her last win to become champion. And then she's a champion now. So didn't quite want to put her. I feel like she could be. She's in a very gray area, I think, with having now being a champion. But I did not go with Emily Dakota. So instead, I went with the one obvious one. And the two other ones were difficult. 
as I've now built up your anticipation <laughs> for my picks for the three breakout fighters who I think can and will break out in 2022. Starting things off with Aaron Blanchfield, of course, followed by Jessica Rose Clark and Aya Murakami. Jesse Jess, I know, is going to be a controversial one as well, since she has been around for a while and has technically been a top 10 fighter already in the flyweight division of the UFC. But I don't feel like ever truly broke out necessarily in that time period yet. And I mean, if you look at her now, Jesse Jess, that is, I think it's safe to say she's looking better than she ever has in her career. Obviously, the Alpar win was just nasty. The Jocelyn Edwards one showing continued wrestling improvements. Uh, very dominant win there as well. I mean, she's she's won six rounds in a row, right, with a finish mixed in against Alpar. Just brilliant stuff there. So Jesse Jess, I think, has some serious momentum going and uh, can really become somebody who makes some waves at Bantamweight in 2022 more than maybe she ever has. So I think she qualifies. Again, it was this was very tough for me. Of course, there's names out there like Furo, who I, I guess would count too, but I feel like she's kind of already gotten out there a little bit more than maybe others. People are talking about her a lot as a potential, you know, future star, as I should be, and I'm all on that wagon as well. Casey O'Neill, I think, has already done that with uh, her great year last year. Obviously, in that mix too, Aaron Blanchfield, who is just continuing to prove that she is the truth. You guys know me. been saying she is the absolute best prospect in MMA, period. Alongside Saka Izawa, who is no longer a prospect. <laughs> she is the best fighter in the world at Adam Weight now, so that does not make you a prospect, despite being in only your second year of MMA madness and 24 years old. But uh, I don't think Saka qualifies anymore. She's no longer prospect. Aaron Blanchfield still just there. I'm sure after her next win, we can say no more. But I think she'll have a big 2022 because she's that damn good. Really get herself near the top five. I'm willing to say she will get near the top five. So I'm super confident in that one. I think that qualifies the most. Aya Murakami, uh, also a, um, had a great 2021. I mean, she, I think if, Maybe some of the victories were a little bit bigger in terms of name value. She could have definitely been a good uh, choice for breakthrough fighter of the year, but because they weren't, you didn't not oh, not as much noise about her compared to let's say Seriyoshima and uh, Sekizawa, which very di difficult ones to top, of course. But Ayama Rakami, uh, what three armbars in a row last year? In the first round, just finishing everybody a little Rousey style uh, at micro weight, 97 pounds and deep jewels. So Murakami uh, has some fantastic momentum going right now. Of course, was supposed to be in that Adam weight title tournament with Oshima and the like uh, of the rest of them, you know, unfortunately got sick and was not able to get in there, but trending upward for her. So this could be a much bigger year for CRE than than last year was, which is a saying, saying a good amount because last year was very good for her. But those are the ones I'm uh, going with. I, I feel feel pretty good about about them all, really. About all of them. So let's see what you guys think. 
bum, bum, bum. Scott, see, taking the words out of my mouth a little bit there. Furo, I think, is a little bit of that gray area as well. Uh, I'm all on the man on hype train. I am fine with that one. If she counts, in your opinion, then yeah, she'd be on mine as well. Uh, Ghost, not a predictions guy. He says, in his, his opinion, predictions are useless since they have no effect on the fight game I care about. What happens in the cage in the present moment? Ghost says, no offense, Drake. I know you love this kind of thing, but I'd rather focus on tech, technical details. I know, I know, but it's all good fun. As <laughs> Jin is disappointed, uh, Rue says... His opinion carries the same weight as mine. So very sad that he won't even make predictions. Oh, it is what it is. And oh, Scott also taking Panera. All right, carrying over to this year. I like it. I think she could, uh, yeah, you could do her here as well. Uh, Jimmy saying so sad for Hamasaki. Yes, still a big time bummer. But as a total champ, taking it in stride. Oh, that's a good one, Scott. Josiani Nunez. I like that one. That's a real sleeper. Real sleeper. Very curious to see how she looks in her next fight. Whenever and whoever that's against. And then Featherweight taking Yanni Razafiarsin. Her last name always ruins me. That's a tough one. And I think a pretty good pronunciation, but that's a tough one. And uh, Yanni's been around for a while. So unfortunately for her, I, I, think, uh, I think we're a little bit past her potential to become a real threat at Featherweight at this, this point. But... I think she's still relatively young, so you could be onto something there, Scott. I know it's tough at featherweight. I know it is tough at featherweight. Jimmy with the Kana Watanabe pick. I think Kana's a little bit of that gray area as well. Of course, she is uh, top five in Bellator, their rankings, and I, I'm pretty sure I would agree with that too, but worldwide... Um, Kana is not in my 15, even as much as we love her. That would be uh, great for her to break out. Um, yeah, I, th I think she could count for that. Zeru says, we got to go with Kana. Centro says, Kana will be the breakout fighter of the year. Jen Kana will reign. There we go, you guys. This is what I love. I miss the Kana love. We need to, we need to get this uh, really going once she gets her next fight. Get it just over the top better than ever with the uh, Kana fury, if you will. Kazushi Kana, as I uh, have now coined after the last <laughs> last week's breakdown, if you saw the uh, separated clip there. Rain says, Panchan makes her MA debut against Park and makes noise in the MA world for breakout fighter. Holy shit, that's a, that's a bold prediction, Rain. That's not just a breakout prediction. That's an overall bold one and uh, double whammy. I like it, though. That would be that would be nuts. That would be nuts indeed. Uh, Din repeating Kazushi Kana. Yep, you got it. Alex, my dude is here with the Sydney Trio pick. And unfortunately, I don't even know who that is, Alex. You're going to have to hit me up with the Tapology link or something. Not, I don't know who that is. What, uh, what promotion is she fighting? So shame on me as the host of this show, the all-encompassing <laughs> weapons knowledge. Uh, I'm unaware of Sydney, so I like it though. If uh, you're mentioning her, then keep an eye on her. So Jimmy saying Oshima upsets Izawa and becomes the new breakout fighter. That would that would seal it. I mean, Oshima was she was right. She had it. She had it in the bag. 
2021 breakout fighter of the year, breakthrough fighter, whatever phrasing you want to do. And then obviously Seca's win, a little bit bigger than the Kana one. Still great promotion, but I like that. That's a little bold too. Um, not super bold, but uh, yeah. If so, Sayori practically, she's like so close. You know, she had it, but um, I, I cannot wait to see her next as well. Uh, in that Deep Jewels 36 fight, right? And Alex saying last fought in the LFA beat down a laundry run. Okay, that was recent, right? Okay, I remember that that was happening. So I guess maybe I had her in the back of my mind, but wasn't fully aware. As he says, watch the fight. Super impressive and very easy on the eyes. Okay, that always helps for uh, the old marketability term, as Steve likes to call it. And James says, Emily Dakota could be the breakout fighter of the year. Yeah, see, that's it's gray area with with her for me because already champ in a great promotion like Evicta incredible performance last time out. She's uh she's gray area because of the title, I think, but yeah, I, I, I contemplate her greatly. Alex is here. Good to see you, my man. Happy to have you. Happy new year. Uh, Ru says all that matters was 2019 breakout fighter of the year was Zhang Wei Li for winning the belt in Shenzhen. I would argue that she, well, yeah, no, 2019 was because that same year she beat Tisha, right? So, the Tisha win, I would say, was when she broke out. But uh, same year, so it doesn't matter. All right. So with that in mind, you guys, here's a fun one. Sorry, Ghost. <laughs> I know you're probably not enjoying this. But from Breakout Fighters of 2022, we are going to go to most likely to become champion in 2022. Who do you guys think is most likely to become champion in 2022? I know we could have done this across all divisions. For more fun, I probably should have done it that way. But I'm only doing... I only did one pick for this. And the one pick I did is pretty much a cheat. <laughs> it's pretty much cheat. This person already is a champion in one division. They should be a double champ. They're the, the, the Laniel champ. We already discussed her. You know who it is. And if you know me, you know who I'm taking here as well. Sekizawa is the easy choice, and I'm taking the easy choice. <laughs> so, Starflower, one of the biggest upsets of ever, the breakthrough fighter of 2022. WMA Today's performance of uh, 2020, uh, 2021, excuse me, as well. Arguably the fighter of the year overall. Perhaps the best rookie year in, in MMA career overall. Her very first year that we've ever seen in the sport of MMA. My God. To go from, from starting out 14 months later to beat the best one of the best fighters of all time. And finish them. Absolute insanity. So, Seka and Ayaka will rematch. So, Seca's next fight, unless for some reason she goes and fights in Deep Jewels before then, maybe defends a strawweight title. I just feel like that won't happen. She's going to have the opportunity to officially become Adam Weight champion in 2022. And since she already beat Ayaka the way she did, as much as we love Hamasaki, I think this is the logical <laughs> prediction here, if you will. And, um, I definitely think that the rematch will be tougher because Hamasaki is 
a monster still. Uh, Sekai Zawa is the absolute truth. Prodigy of all prodigies. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit cheating, isn't it? But it is definitely a safe one. I am admitting it, though. I'm admitting it. <sighs> so, James says, Jang Wei Li in Strawweight. Okay. The, the problem with that one is, I think I've said this before, but Wei Li just getting a title shot in 2022. That will be tough. Because you got to think she's going to need at least two fights. At least. And she's going to need the title to change hands. And it's going to change hands when Marina Rodriguez fights for that belt. So there you go, as Alex predicts. Uh, Marina to be his most likely. I like it. Um, Rain says, maybe no champion, but most looking forward to Whaley. Yep. Um, bum, bum, bum. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting year. Interesting year to see who... Uh, how the belts change. Obviously, you got many unexpected ones at the end of last year. And um, clearly, since I went with Sayaka, this is across all promotions. So not just UFC specific. As Alex says, Kayla Harrison, 145 in Bellator or UFC. Okay. I, I like the... Yeah, I like that. It's a lot. Kayla... Fighting Nunez is a lot more interesting after seeing the Pena fight because before that, I definitely would have written her off and they trained together. So, I mean, there's there's that element. But I don't know. I still I still don't believe in Kayla doing, you know, beating or being shouldn't be favored whatsoever against Cyborg or Nunez still, even though Nunez lost. But, I mean, you look at who Kayla's fought. It's just you can't. You cannot. Yes, very skilled, but come on, man. We've seen this time and time again. And Go says, uh, let's give Izawa some love. She's the only one that broke Hamasaki's posture within her triangle. Yeah, that was insane. And watching that play out, I was thinking back to uh, the breakdown in the Sohiyam fight, uh, Ghost. So it's very crazy how that kind of happened after we uh, had looked at it. And um, it's no surprise either, you guys, that, uh, you know, I, I kind of had to take Seka with this pick because I don't know if you saw, but... My bold prediction for 2022 overall, and this was before the fight happened. <laughs> My bold prediction was that Sayaka would be the rising super atomweight champion in 2022. Now, I said I did say specifically whether, you know, I can't say if that's from beating Ayaka or somebody else because Ayaka retires or who knows, but I was, I'm halfway there. I'm halfway to my bold prediction coming true. <laughs> So I have to toot my own horn a little bit every now and then. And uh, this has just been the maybe the most incredible rise that I've ever seen. And uh, yeah, Sekizawa, something else. Can't wait to uh, maybe uh, maybe chatter up soon, you guys. I don't know. I don't have. I'm not going to say I have anything confirmed or not, but I I cannot wait till the day that I get to speak with this uh, young lady. So Starflower. Many questions for her to hear about her story. Scott says the bullet will be a two division champ by taking the Bantamweight belt by December. Okay. I don't think that pick 
counts Scott since she is already a champion, but then you could also say Wilsack is already a champion as well. So never mind. I'll give you that one <laughs> because yeah, Seca is technically the Deep Jewels. Well, she is the Deep Jewels strawweight champion. So that is a fair pick. But I don't know. I'm still not sure if we will get that. And uh, Go says, remember Hom couldn't finish Hamasaki in the triangle and what makes these LFI great is she finished her in a mountain triangle. Yep. That's what blows my mind even more. Pat and I on the intermission show here on this channel, the Ryzen 33 intermission show. You can go back and watch it here on the scrap. Like, share, subscribe. Bam, bam, bam. Uh, I was saying, Pat, think about this, man. Sohi Hom, another one of the best fighters of all time. The Korean GOAT. She couldn't even finish Ayaka in that position. Fucking insane. Absolutely insane. Every time I every time I think about Izawa versus Hamasaki, it blows my mind over and over. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Little Scott, good to see you, man. Thanks for tuning in. Always a pleasure to have you. Centro says, sorry, guys, just love Hamasaki more. Totally fair. I love her as well. She is phenomenal. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Doesn't doesn't uh, diminish her legacy or anything. It just just really starts off Seca strong. And uh, who knows, guys? Maybe she'll uh, she'll write that wrong in the rematch. Wouldn't be surprised. I'm very curious if we uh, get odds on that one. I know that Ryzen, they're kind of hard to find sometimes, but I uh, I mean, after that performance, I feel like it's tough to tough to not have Seca as the un, the favorite. Just like like slightly, just slightly. Uh, Rue says so sad for Ayaka. I loved Ayaka's breakdown with striking. Both of them, yeah, all the all the Ayaka breakdowns. Uh, those ones are definitely some of my favorite. A little bit biased, as you guys know, but and I mean they're all great ghosts. You know, I don't need to say that, but. Yeah. Uh, Scott says, nice interview with Yan Zhao Nan, by the way. Great stuff, man. Thank you so much, Scott, giving me the plug here early. Uh, that is out now. Yes. Yan Zhao Nan dropped it today. He spoke with her on Saturday. Uh, you can see that at myamanews.com, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Drake Riggs. Uh, Yan Zhao Nan, yeah, getting ready for that Marina Rodriguez fight. Another one that is incredibly bittersweet for me because I am Yan Zhao Nan. You guys know. Maybe my favorite fighter at the moment up there with Kanako. Need more Kanako in my life as well. Always do. But uh, yeah, Marina, big fan of hers also. And very high on her. As you guys know, I think she will be strawweight champion at some point. So the fact that I'm saying that by default sounds like I'm picking her over Zhao Nan, which I'm not going to get into that yet. We'll wait till UFC 272 fight week. But uh, yes, thank you for that uh, compliment, Scott. Go check that one out. It's very fun. Always great getting to chat with Zhao Nan. Asked her what she thought of... Uh, the Zhang and Nami Yunus rematch, who she thought won, how she thinks Carla will do, uh, kind of what she takes away the most from the Carla loss, the Marina fight, Team Alpha Male, differences from China, training, and U.S., all that kind of thing. Good chat. 30 minutes. I did it while I was away on a little mini vacation because I wasn't sure if I was going to go on that because one of my friends is uh, not a good planner, but... Still ended up pulling it off. Pretty nice background in that video, I will say. <laughs> in the cabin type thing we had down in Sun River, Oregon. But got it done. Made it work. Good stuff. 
So go check that one out after the show. Put it in your queue right now. As uh, I think that's possible with these live videos on YouTube. Jimmy says, don't really care who are champions next year. Just want to see Whaley fight again with her new skills she learned at Fight Ready. Yep, I'm excited for that too, Jimmy. And I know that you guys will not even watch the pay-per-views unless she's on them. So there's that. <laughs> uh, Rain says, I saw the interview. Uh, Whaley said the same thing about the results. Whaley even said she agreed with the decision. Okay. Wow, I haven't actually heard that from Whaley. That she, um, I mean, she didn't seem upset about it, obviously. And I know that we talked to her um, in the back after that fight, actually. I don't remember, though, if she was asked, like, if she agreed with the decision or not but um all right there you go i mean it was pretty clear first three to whaley or last three to rose that's how it is it's all on that third round the third round is just my goodness very uh difficult to score i think <clears throat> but more people scored it for whaley if you look uh look in most places but all right we can wrap up the starting point here of the predictions and all that good stuff right at the 30 minute mark so perfect absolutely perfect and no mailbag this week because no mail and i don't really care the mailbag is slowly dying <laughs> so uh maybe we can do something to spice it up and revitalize it but it doesn't really matter now because you guys just drop your questions in the chat box, which if you are watching on Twitter at this exact moment here, as I'm saying these words live, I cannot see them on StreamYard. The Twitter comments do not go through. So head on over to YouTube, the Scraps YouTube channel, and uh, get on the video in YouTube. And then you can interact in the comments below or on the side, technically. And then I can see them and we can have a good old time. So... Yes, good point, James. Ghost did use the mailbag, and then that's how it evolved into uh, its own segment, <laughs> another segment, uh, the Fan of Punch Breakdown. Good point. That is a great point, how we come full circle. But let's get into the new cycle. <clears throat> As I mentioned earlier, very divisional heavy news cycle this week. It is pretty much the flyway show. A lot happening at 125 pounds around the world, starting off with a little bit of a surprise matchup coming at Bellator 274 on February 19th in Uncasville. It'll be Vita Ortega taking on Carrie Melendez. Did not see this one coming. This is a big step up for Carrie Melendez, who has yet to really face anybody too... I, I don't know where I'm going with that. She hasn't fought somebody on the level of Vita Ortega quite yet. And Vita, in her last fight, looked great against Desiree Yanez. So she's really turned it around since kind of the little skid that she was on for losing her title opportunity against, against Alimalea McFarlane. A fight that she actually, I think, if I remember correctly, I was there for that one, and I, I believe had her losing the winning the first round. Maybe in the first two rounds, Vita didn't do that bad against Alimalea. And then just got absolutely thumped with a hammer of an elbow, middle of the forehead. One of the gnarliest sounding elbows I've ever heard in my life. It sounded like wood being chopped and cut her open and finished it. I mean, that was just nastiness. So, <clears throat> Vita Ortega, though, turned it around since then. Carrie Melendez, not been very active in her MMA career. So, 
a great striker, though. We know that. This is going to be a tough one for her, though. Vita can do a little bit of everything quite well and uh, is down to throw down and very tough, obviously. You want to keep going after getting that that gash on her forehead. My goodness. So, yeah, this is... Uh, didn't see that one coming, but big chance for Carrie to launch into the rankings there. Um, yeah, so that is the first bit of flyweight news around the globe much more coming up here but before that rue asks why do you love jown on so much drake no offense but her offense is pretty one note she opens with a cool hook kick to start every fight it throws one twos the rest of the fight well i don't know if i necessarily agree with that rue um <laughs> yes she does do those things but i mean the whole time i don't think so um, I know that you guys or Whaley fans apparently are not Zhao Nan fans. As somebody said last week that Zhao Nan's apparently mean on WeChat. Um, and again, I still can't, I can't figure out how to like see the social side of WeChat. If you guys could, if somebody could help me, please. <laughs> like, is there like a Twitter type side to it? Like, I remember looking for Whaley's page or whatever, but it, like doesn't come up for me. Maybe it's because I'm in America. I have no idea. But either way, somebody said Jonan is mean on WeChat or something like that. I so I don't know what that means technically because I can't even see it. But um Jonan been great to me when I've talked to her. And yes, of course, they're interview formats. But uh yeah, she's fun fighter. I I really enjoy just kind of the tenaciousness. That she brings to the table and the diversity in her strikes. I just really like Sonda fighters when I think about it. And not, I guess there's not like, well, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say I have a lot of Sonda-based favorites, but like Norma Dumont, for example, has a Sonda background. Um, of course, Whaley does have the Sonda. A lot of the Chinese fighters do, of course. But something just about that overall style intrigues me. And Zhao Nan, uh, I think, implements it very nicely. I enjoy watching it. Um, yeah, I mean, what more do you want from me, man? I just love the way that Jaunan fights. And, you know, lovely personality, as he believes. <laughs> so, <laughs> all about the fury. Some good stories out of her. So, anyway, moving on back to flyweight business. Before we get to one bit of strawweight news. Justine Keish has signed with Bellator. So that is uh, a thing. Congrats to her for finding a home. I'm not sure I agreed with that release from the UFC, especially off of a questionable loss to Tracy Cortez. I do think she should have won that fight, but alas, she did not. So now she's on to Bellator. Good addition to the division, I would say. Generally, a, a fairly fun fighter to watch. Um, <clears throat> I feel like, I don't know. I feel like Justine Keish, when she was on The Ultimate Fighter, had a, a good amount, a decent amount of potential. Like, I don't know if I'd ever say she, I would have assumed her being a champion or like a top five threat, but she seemed like she could have gone a good distance and, of course, had to pull out from injury, I think it was a, a foot thing she had, so she didn't even get to compete all the way through. She didn't lose on the Ultimate Fighter, but here we are now, 
many a year later, eight years, right? Since that happened, since that season, and now joins Bellator. Decent addition, not mad at it. Best plays for her to go that isn't the UFC at 125 pounds, right? So curious to see who they match her up with first, if they go straight top 10 or what. That's the question. That is the question. Uh, Mary is here. <laughs> Good to see you, Mary. Thanks for tuning in. She says, forgive me, Drake. I was the one that said that in the response to another comment. I hope it did not offend you. No, 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 no. About uh, Mary means about the actions, her actions on WeChat. No, you didn't offend me at all, Mary. Don't worry. I have, I like to think I have pretty thick skin. Either that or I just don't care about those kind of things. Not offended whatsoever. You are totally fine. Everyone has an opinion. You're fair to think what you want, right? Um, unless you're very racist and mean, then we don't want you here. So that's, that's kind of common ground for anywhere though. Uh, but no, he didn't offend me at all. I'm, I'm curious in about it. You know, I'd like to see at least for myself and then I can form my own opinions and go from there. But, uh, yeah, again, I am, I've struggled with the social media side, whatever you want to call it of WeChat. Um, it is strictly a communication tool for me. I, I, it doesn't look like a social media. I know it does a lot of things. I know you can pay with it and all that kind of thing. Uh, and I was doing that when I was in China, but I don't know how to find like profile pages or whatever. So talking too much about WeChat is what I'm doing. <laughs> and Scott asks, uh, any news on Alexa Grasso and if she's getting another opponent, I wish she would fight more often. Well, don't you worry, sir. That is coming up here uh, in the cycle. Um, so yeah, after this next bit, actually, well-timed, come on, Scott, you know, I'm going to cover these things, man. I know, you know, and I do have an answer for you. So, but before that, the one bit of a different division's news is that straw weight, we have Corey McKenna versus Elise Reed at UFC London. On March 19th. How about that? Uh, Corey McKenna has didn't. Did, I don't know if she fought at all last year or if it was like right at the beginning, but we haven't seen her since the Kay Hansen robbery. I'm just going to be totally honest. Don't see how she won that fight. Corey McKenna, which is like 21, still very, very young. Elise Reed uh, had that very unfortunate. UFC debut against Sejara Eubanks. Just a fight to take to get in the UFC. Did not go her way, as expected. Now dropping down to 115, which is much better suited there. And we'll take on a fellow young prospect. Nothing wrong with this fight. I think this is just fine matchmaking. Just fine. I have uh, no problem with it. So, should be... Should be fine. Should be fun. But getting back to the flyweight business, <laughs> as Mr. McCrate mentioned, McCrate, McWright, let me know. Viviani Araujo has withdrawn from her UFC 270 match versus Alexa Grasso on January 22nd. Big time bummer there. Oh, how I wish we could see Alexa Grasso fight again. And unfortunately, 
now she has been pulled from the card, Scott. So we will not get to see Alexa Grasso versus anybody on January 22nd. We will have to wait to maybe see this fight again later down the road or whenever, wherever, whoever. Don't know what was the issue with uh, Araujo. I believe some type of injury, but no specification. But yeah, that sucks. This was going to be a really, that was going to be a fun one, I think. Um, two very good strikers. Of course, uh, Alexi Grasso got them hands. Very sharp, crisp boxing, as we saw in her last uh, fight against Macy Barber. And just generally, just generally Grasso when she shows up and gets to kind of flow on the feet, get some fun visuals. But not on the 22nd. Sorry. Uh, so, aside from that, we have two more bits of news here. So, flying through that a little bit more, but we got plenty to preview coming up. And this fight is one that I uh, didn't quite expect or think about for either, but. Do they have something maybe against Ariane Lipsky? Because she is now taking on J.J. Alderich at UFC Vegas 50, which is on March 12th. Uh, <laughs> from the Lipsky perspective, she just keeps getting these matchups, for the most part, that are winnable, yeah, but still... Not very easy. <laughs> I think JJ kind of has the tools a bit there to uh, kind of stifle Lipsky if she can get a hold of her, which is what she's going to want to do. No one wants to stand with Lipsky. That's just the truth of it. Um, for the most part, I mean, unless you're going to be Valentine or something, you know, but JJ Aldrich, always a tough out, always a gamer. Can uh, make it ugly for Lipsky and you know, put her on her back, as we've seen several times in the UFC. But if she doesn't, she's in trouble. Big, big trouble. Uh, Jin says, I have a question about the fight kits for the women. Isn't wearing a t-shirt assist in the grappling aspect? Um, I've, I don't know if I've heard that argument. But in theory, yeah, I mean help i mean i there's i can see both ways of looking at it where it's how it could help the person who isn't wearing one and the other person is and then that provides you with the ability to grab onto something and adjust your leverages all that kind of thing and then for the other person maybe for i don't know traction a little bit in grappling sequences um i don't know i i haven't like rolled around in a gi or anything like that so i don't have a great question a great great answer or perspective to really answer that but that's what i would assume with common basic knowledge <laughs> uh and then if you guys remember courtney casey after her last fight with uh jojua she said that she thinks they shouldn't be allowed because they cover up damage, which that's an interesting take. And I think that's fair. 
you know, if you land a bunch of bunch of body shots to a fighter and you got a shirt on, you're not going to see potential bruising or redness. So from that point of view, uh, I think that's an assist in terms of hiding damage, you could say. But I don't know. That's a good question, though, Jen. CEB, the man is here. Christopher Edwards Bailey, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, again, my man, keeping consistent now. Really appreciate it. He says, what have I missed? Just uh, first 30 minutes, we did breakout fighters of 2022 predictions. So I gave my three and then a bunch of the other guys, of course, sharing their thoughts. And then most likely to become a champion in 2022. Just those two um, categories. Chris then ran through the news so far. Don't worry, you have not missed the previews for Invicta or one. No, no, no. As James is guessing the Phantom Punch breakdown this week, going with Angela Lee, since Ghost already in one on Stamp Fairfax, and their fight is coming up later in the year. Oh, ho, ho. you know that Ghost does like to kind of look at both fighters before they fight each other. So did it with Hamasaki and Fujino, albeit un unintentionally. Uh, he did. He did. Fujino after the two Hamasaki ones before the fight was announced. But yeah, we've, we've seen him do that before. Might be a good guess. Centro says, I also guess Angela Leon, maybe it could be, or maybe it could be Jing Natu. Those are his top two guesses. All right, the champs, the one champs. And Ghost sharing his thoughts in Rash Guard versus Bearskin and Side Control. Rash Guard is an advantage in Side Control or North-South. Our gym does Rash versus Bearskin to prepare people with their fights. All right, there you go. A better insider uh, answer there from Mr. Phantom himself. But moving on to the biggest news of the day, the week, the news cycle... Curious to hear your thoughts on this one, Mr. Edwards Bailey. Because uh, I don't know how I feel about it just yet. But it was revealed today from Mr. Damon Martin at MA Fighting that Misha Tate versus Lauren Murphy is being targeted for UFC 273 on April 9th at 125 pounds. Flyweight division debut coming up for... Misha Tate, the former Bantamweight champ, she's going to give it a try. She's going to give it a try. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. And of course, we've seen Misha looking in phenomenal shape and very lean on this comeback tour. But that still seems nuts to me for her to try and go to flyweight now. And yes, her best friend or one of her very good friends, I guess, Juliana Pena, is now the Bantamweight champ, and she just lost to Ketlin Vieira. But, my goodness, it, it could still be Nunes very soon, depending on when that rematch happens, and that's I do think Nunes will win the rematch. So, in terms of getting back to that spot, I don't think Misha's super far away, but if she beats Lauren Murphy, who is coming off the loss to Valentina Shevchenko, then she's right there at flyaway, too. And it would be pretty nuts if they gave her a title shot off of just that win, but it's possible. I would say she should get two wins, but we'll see. 
We'll see. Lauren Murphy, also a former Bantamweight and uh, Bantamweight champion in Invicta. It's, it, I think it's going to be a very fun fight and one that we could have maybe at some point should have maybe seen at Bantamweight. Just never lined up, and now we're getting at Flyweight and... Uh, going to be an interesting try for Misha, I think, to drop even farther. So, very surprising. I mean, I, I just think she should have tried uh, to stick with Bantamweight, at least for a bit. But, of course, Misha might not be trying to stick around all too long anyway, since this is that comeback tour, as I said. Litchfield says, good fight. Yeah. He said two wins. Yep. Two more at least. Seems fair. And hopefully in the meantime, they make Tyla Santos versus Valentina because I think Tyla has earned it. But that's just me. Seems pretty clear. Rain guessing Janet Todd for the Phantom Punch Breakdown. We had one with her teammate Jackie Boonton, which no one saw coming. No, they did not. Not a single guess for Jackie until I spoiled it. Saying Alvin would like it. And then Jen saying maybe the Phantom Punch is Panchan. Continued. Ghost loves Panchan, don't we all? I'm running out of water. <clears throat> Getting dry. But yeah, um, I'm excited for the fight. I think it'll be good, like I said. But um, kind of hard to assess how Misha will do with that depletion. This is always what makes these kind of moves very intriguing. So we will leave it there for the news today. That is all we got. Flyweight heavy, as I said, right? That was a lot of flyweight business happening this past week. So it'll be a very interesting future just for that division with the young up and comers and all these different kind of shakeups or what have you. As Ghost wants to mention that he forgot regarding the rash guard thing. Rash guards have more friction. That's why it's easier to hold people down with more friction. Yeah, uh, that's kind of the word I was looking for when I said traction. So, all right. So I I've, I was kind of on the same page as he goes. It just seems like common clothing knowledge, <laughs> right? It applies to fighting as well. Um, we haven't seen people really complain about that, though. Uh, I forget who was asking if it was Rue, maybe, but... Courtney Casey's like the only person I've ever seen, at least from female fighters' uh, perspectives, say that they don't like that. Would be interesting. I would be interesting to kind of gauge opinions. I might uh, start asking people what they think about that. Thanks for bringing that up. If that was you, Rue, don't want to get credited to the wrong person. It's Rain Rue. I think it was one of the R's. One of the R boys. But uh, that's that's an interesting kind of thing to look at. At least I would say so. Let me know if you like that idea. I will start asking people about it just because why not? So, But with that in mind, we'll move on to the big fat preview section of the show because there's a buckload of fights to kick off the year. So before we get to actually the traditional previews, uh, we're going to do what to watch for, which is... Essentially, a quick little preview when I don't really know enough about <laughs> most of the fights to uh, give a proper preview for it. 
but what will be happening on the 15th, right? Let me see here. January 15th is the very first ever Polis Athena Women's Fighting Championship event, which is headlined by Sarah Kaufman. I didn't even know this until like last week, a couple days ago. No offense to the new PA FC, which is great to see because it is an all-women's league. Clearly, it's in the title, right? Uh, Paulus Athena Women's Fighting Championship. But the f Sarah Kaufman, just, I, it drives me nuts that she gets disrespected and shouldn't be fighting on <laughs> new new promotional events like this. Yes, it is in Canada, so Canadian-based, which I guess maybe play a part, I don't know. But Sarah Kaufman, one of the most underrated fighters of all time, competing in the inaugural Bantamweight Championship. So that's fair. She definitely deserves that as she takes on Claudia Leite from Brazil. And then the co-main event, you got Andy Wynn, the Crasian, taking on Laura Fontura, who is 6-0. and and uh, Andy fight's always pretty fun. And uh, yeah, I mean, Dakota Decheva, that's a prospect to watch out of the UK. 3 0. Plenty of newcomers here, as you can see. 110 amateur bout to start things off. I mean, I'm glad that this event is happening. Don't get me wrong. I didn't want to sound negative towards it right there. I was more upset at the fact that, I don't know, Sarah Kaufman just should be, should clearly undeniably be in the UFC right now. And it just is, it's just, I can't even speak about it because it just blows my mind. But this event is happening. So um excited to see that. And this, I don't know if this is an error, but this says five, five minute rounds for a non-title fight. Uh, for Andy and Fontura, but yeah, so watch out for that event on January 15th, apparently at 9 p.m. Eastern Time from Calgary with Felicia Spencer on the mic. How about that? How about that? Oh, okay, it was Jin. Sorry about the question about the clothing. I'm <laughs> completely wrong. And Rue, yes, I know, mixing him up. <laughs> mixing it up. Sorry, guys. Uh, so many comments, so little brain capacity, you know. James says, how long until this gets absorbed by the UFC? Uh, I, I don't know. Good question. Does it say who it's ran by? No. I don't know. We'll have to see how, how it kind of starts off, but that's always possible. As Little says, he was also surprised when he saw Kaufman's name on here. <clears throat> Rue, the event we are dying to see. The sarcasm in this man's text <laughs> is dripping, dripping out of my computer screen. Um, Alvin says, new promotion, wishing all the fighters the best new promotions like these. Help the talented newcomers make a name for themselves and gives everyone a chance to shine. Give the slow clap to our man here with the brilliant positivity. Love it. Love, love, love it. 
But uh, yeah, I'm curious to know how this goes and what it all looks like. I don't know what it'll be broadcast and shown on. Hopefully YouTube or something. But does it say on this poster? No. Oh, well. Good to have. Good to have more places, like like Ellen said, providing opportunities. Can't go wrong. And in Canada, that's I think that's very important. That this is a Canadian-based promotion. At least I'm assuming. Why would they start somewhere else? You know. But so that's uh, just one, just one of the all women cards going down this week because on Wednesday Invicta starts us off with Invicta FC 45 and that will be on uh, YouTube as well as MAJunkie.com look at them working with Invicta don't know exactly what's going on with the whole access deal but it's not going to be shown on there apparently just happy to have Invicta back and to start things out with Zapatella versus Del Boni 2. First fight was the robbery of the year. You've seen uh, Jessica Del Boni saying, saying some stuff on Twitter. <laughs> she is very amped up. So I cannot wait for this fight. It's going to be good old time as Invicta cards always are. Hopefully we can get uh, that, that whole lot of 22 as we were kind of expecting to pick up after that deal did go through. As James gives out a go Ramona and Rue with the Pascal for the win. Well, let's take a look at this card overall, huh? Because it's gone through some, uh, some mix-ups, some change-ups. Thankfully, the title fight still intact. Knock on, knock on wood until weigh-ins. Continue with the knock-in. In the co-main event, Ramona, supposed to take on Courtney King at featherweight. Now it is a 150 catchweight since Courtney King got COVID and Shamir Peshua coming on in. Uh, an alumni of Steve's MMA Inc. If you haven't seen that, that is out. I think that was his very first episode, actually. So, Shamir. Be coming on in to replace Courtney King. Good for her. Good opportunity. Monica Franco versus Haley Cowan at Bantamweight. That's a good, fun prospect battle. Maria Josie Fabella, Sarah Kletchka, Peralta versus Pone, which was added a little bit later. Katie Saul, no longer taking on Tabitha Watkins. Now Tamika Jones. I didn't even know that. Card's been been through the ringer a little bit, unfortunately, but hey, we still got one nonetheless. So let's look at that main event because that's the featured attraction. Uh, what is it? Piste de resistance. I don't know. Is that French? I know that's a thing. But you guys know it. Anyone who's seen the fight. I still, to this day, right this exact moment, have literally never seen anyone say or think that Alicia Zapatella won the first fight outside of Zapatella herself. 
Alicia has already said that she is going to go up to straw weight after this. She is, I believe, 4'11 or 4'10, mind you. One of the smallest spiders on the planet. <laughs> uh, not as tiny as, I think, Ch Chibisai over in over in Deep Jewels. Ayamurakami is pretty tiny as well, who we talked about earlier in the predictions. But Alicia Zapatella at straw weight and already thinking past, at least that's how it would sound, thinking past the woman that in a lot of people's opinions as well, clearly beat her the first time over the course of five rounds. Not not a great thing to hear necessarily. But we know Alicia Zapatel is a very good wrestler. If she gets a hold of you, it can keep you down. She doesn't quite do a whole lot of damage, but she, she definitely is active from the top, has submission abilities, won the title with a Von Flu choke. That was impressive. Striking just still needs a whole lot of work. She's just very short, N not just as a <laughs> striker, but in overall half pint for a reason. Uh, Jessica Delboni was working, working those leg kicks throughout the whole last fight. Mixed it up nicely uh, with the hands overall and defended the takedowns very well. Her takedown defense was very good in that fight. Um, Jessica Delboni just doesn't get quite enough love and i think i think she has obviously gotten more since that first fight and then winning the one night tournament to get this title fight back in a way i think she would have got it regardless but she wanted to uh do the tournament anyway and ended up winning it looked great in that as well so here we are again alicia zapatella just she's got still a lot to work on despite being champion and i think we've seen that she has coasted at times if you remember her fight with kan asakura in ryzen alicia zapatella has fought in ryzen she was winning she actually out wrestled kana a bit there in the first two rounds and then in the third round felt like she had it in the bag kana goes out there dominates her a little bit better then in those first two rounds, in the last round, and since fights are scored as a whole in Ryzen, Zapatella lost that fight. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> I think she's gotten better about that since, but still not. Just I don't know. It's tough. It's tough with her. Maybe she'll go out there with a new kind of fire surprise us all in this rematch but jessica delboni is just overall very very tough to handle um and it's just hard for me to see that this looking all too much different from the first fight unless it's delboni going out there and really having her way even more so she's quite good she's quite good uncrowned champion Craig Johnston is here. Good to see you, man. Good evening, Drake, and join the show. Happy you are. Thanks so much for tuning in again, man. Uh, appreciate it every time. Even just one little comment like that makes my day that much better. Appreciate seeing you uh, as well as everybody else. Jimmy asks, will I be interviewing Ramona again? Love her documentary. Love her documenting, excuse me, her journey on Instagram. Plus, we are both from USC. All right, very cool. Uh, yeah, of course, I'll talk to her. Uh, 
Ramona again. Nothing, nothing wrong with chatting with Ramona. Ramona, she's great. Um, yeah, but after this one, she gets the job done. I'll definitely would be open to that. So uh, it'll happen again at some point, Jimmy. Don't you worry. Just a matter of when. Just a matter of when. Jen says he loves loved Ramona's TED Talk. That is right. She did have a TED Talk, I think. I know that uh, her and I have talked about that before. I don't know if it was on air during recording. It might have been off air. I don't remember. But uh, yeah, yeah, she did one of those. So very cool. And she got to do that. Uh, Go says, what adjustments could Zapatella make circling around? Getting her legs kicked was not a good idea. Definitely not. Go says, I don't think going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Delboni is a good thing to do. Delboni stuffed all her takedowns in the first fight. I don't think Zapatella has the athleticism, skills, and IQ to make massive improvements like Wayleaded and Fight Ready. True. Uh, but to devil's advocate that, I don't think Zapatella has changed camps. And why would she when she has been winning? Technically. But what adjustments could she make to what you specifically said right there, Ghost, about circling around getting her legs kicked? Not a good idea, of course. I mean, she could work on trying to catch those things because Del Boney has no reason not to. And I know that she kind of, if I'm remembering correctly, she tried to attack after those, not quite catch them from what I remember, but Del Boney was just, even, even when she went for it, like after that or off those moments, Still couldn't get her down. Um, I think she ended up getting her down for brief periods. Again, I haven't watched it super recently. I know we did the breakdown and all, but yeah, I would say try and time those things, man. Zapatella, what she needs to do is just wrestle the shit out of Delbone if she can. Just be super aggressive with it. Grind on her. Wear her out. Get her down. Because then you don't have to worry about those leg kicks. You don't have to worry about the uh the sharp combinations she's she's throwing at you um the whole fight easier said than done obviously but alicia was very willing to try and strike in that fight so rain says solid analysis as always but i think you know the answer to your question <laughs> he always does as bruce says remember delboni is a crotch pointing master that is true <laughs> James says, I forgot that Delboni was the infamous crotch pointer, but now Ghost says that is just squared someone up. Um, Ghost says, ah, oh, that's a great point, Drake. I talk about catching kicks every week, but forgot for this match. There you go, man. See, I remember. I know, I know. Ultimately, though, you guys, like I said, and as we know, one of the worst robberies you'll ever see. Um, Delboni, has, Delboni has fought three times in one night since that, that fight. We won them all. Zapatella hasn't fought at all. And she's talking about straw, straw weight and whatnot, which, unless she's just saying that, that leads me to believe she's not being as serious as she should be about this. She does find ways to pull things out of rest sometimes, like with that Ashley Cummins win with the Bon, bon Flew to get the title, because I think she was losing that fight before that happened in the third round. But in this case... I, I don't see any reason to think Delboni won't be even better, even better than in the first fight. And I think she will uh, get the job done. I'm actually, I'm going to go with Delboni via fourth round submission. I think she's going to catch something. She's going to, maybe off hurting her, 
something like that. I don't know, but I think uh, she's really, really just motivated by how everything played out. And I got that vibe from talking to her as well um, after the tournament. So Jessica D coming for the strap. I'm for it. Going to get it officially now. As Ghost says, but then again, catching kicks is a skill that's different from wrestling. Easier said than done, but great idea. He's my man. Yeah, very true. Good points. Good points. And thank you. Um, and then as for Ramona's fight with Shamir, uh, I don't know how often Shamir, when her last fight was. Uh, been a while, 2019. There you go. So she has <laughs> just kind of coming in here looking to jumpstart things against Ramona, who is looking great. Looked uh, pretty dominant in her last fight. Didn't last very long. Um, experience difference is obvious. Ramona's training with all the great fighters at Syndicate. Should be should be one-way traffic again, unfortunately, because Shamir does seem like a fun, fun fighter and individual, if you did see that. Uh, episode of MA Inc. with Steve. So shout out to Steve, who's not here today, but that was his first uh, episode, I believe. Um, so yeah, can go learn about her tattoos and whatnot. But Ramona's going to get the job done. I feel like probably similar to the last fight, probably first round TKO, some ground and pound or something. Ramona's just simply the better fighter and uh, now able to be more active. So I think that helps her. Depending on how the size difference is, right? I mean, 150. Interesting to see. Monica Franco, Haley Cowan. That's a tough one as well. Monica Franco, uh, you know, somebody who has a very interesting story. And Jessica Delboni, not Jessica Delboni, excuse me, Jessica uh, Jillian. Jillian <laughs> DeCorse, uh, very high on, I believe, her teammate, Monica Franco. I think they're teammates. So talks very highly of her, and I imagine, no, I don't know if she'll be there for that one. But either way, Haley Cowan has looked uh, solid recently as well um, in her career. I know she was in LFA, right? That's where Haley's um, career, yeah, the LFA, aside from the last fight, I should say. Forgot about that one. When was that? In September? Okay. But was on a good roll before that. At least starting off, Victoria Leonardo in the first fight. No shame there. It's interesting that she's coming over from LFA to uh, Invicta for this one, isn't it? But, yeah. So I don't know if I can necessarily make a prediction for that one because haven't followed them as closely as I would like. But should be a fun one. And we got Kletchka and Favela, Peralta, Pone again which that'll be fun. Peralta's going to get that one done. Um, just more experience overall. Unless Pone can whip out some good grappling chops, but <laughs> we'll see. Either way, should be a fun card on Invicta regardless. And of course, we're looking most forward to those top two fights. And just for Invicta to be back in general. Jimmy says Daboni's going to inside uh, inside kick Zapatella's legs again. Why not? Those things were money. Rain says didn't Ramona's original opponent drop out? Yes, I said that earlier. That Courtney King got COVID. 
So now she, Courtney King, the woman who was, uh, who fought Kayla Harrison in her only Invicta fight. That is who was supposed to fight Ramona. She got COVID and now bum, bum, bum. We have Shamir. Uh, yes. Sidro also. Jen says, would you ever have Ramona guest star on the podcast? That's not a bad idea. You know, you know what? That's uh, an interesting, interesting question. I think I think she probably I think she probably follows enough. And even if she if we didn't do it traditional style here, and I know that uh Serena Southpaw did a great job there with all that, she'd still be fun to have on for you guys to ask the questions you want to ask and that kind of thing. So yeah. I think uh maybe maybe we can work something out there, Jen. Oh, that's a good idea. Always thinking about that kind of thing. We'll see what 2022 holds. And Jimmy says, Drake, do you consider us casual since we were high on Ramona? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I would say you're casuals for that. I mean, I think that makes you more hardcore than casuals because not still not that many people know about Ramona. I mean, certain kind of groups and areas a part of the world, I think, do. And if you follow Syndicate closely, you have to know her at this point. But um, no, I wouldn't say that. Rain says Ramon is way better than Jed Mishu. Well, can't disagree with that. That's that's literally facts, Rain. As most are. Better than that disgraceful man. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, how it goes. But that is Invicta. 45. Good to have the brand back. Kicking things off with a very good title fight rematch. At least one that needs to happen. On Wednesday, 5 p.m. Pacific time. Gonna be good. And yep, Rain's got it right. Drake is two and one versus Jed. There you go. There you go. Wait, which one did I lose, Rain? Which one did I lose? <laughs> I thought I was undefeated. <laughs> gotcha. I, I gotcha there. Busted, man. Busted. Well, no, I, I did admit I lost the third one. So, yeah, good. That That's fair. I, I'll take that, actually. All right. Moving along to the action coming up the day-ish after, day and a half after. One heavy hitter's going to be going down in Singapore. Their first event of the year. As we have two fights, title fight. Oh, yes. Rain says, you lost because you forgot to remind the con army. Yes, that also happened. That is very true. So I think that was still the third one. So, uh, yep, that was just a big L on my part. Indeed. Very fair. Kicking things off, though, for one heavy hitters. We have, well, these are both strawway bouts, actually. Mung Bo is back looking to rebound. Uh as she takes on Tiffany Teo at 125 pounds. Mungbo going back up in weight. Used to be a 125-pounder uh, for most of her career, then went down for one championship, which kind of interesting that she did that. You would, you would think it'd be 
like the other way around, I guess. But since one is weird with their fucking divisions, I don't know. But either way, here we are. <laughs> Mungbo back. Always love watching her. Caught, caught up with her uh, uh, before this fight. So go check, uh, check out that interview if you have not yet, if you would like to. Mungbo, MiamiNews.com. And my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Drake Riggs. Good stuff with Mungbo, as always. Shaved her hair off after the loss to Ritu Fogut. As a little bit of a humbling reminder to, to get better and make your improvements, all that kind of thing. So no chill, Tiffany Teo. Hasn't fought since her second career loss to Zhang Jingnan, which is only, she's only lost to Panda. When you really see it right there. This fight, I think, will be, it feels weird to say kind of a, uh, I don't know, a, not a rebirth for Mungbo by any means because that Ritu loss wasn't terrible or anything. Got exposed a little bit, and that, those are her, her words, not mine, on the ground and where maybe her weaknesses are and were at least that we've known about, but to lose in the Grand Prix the way she did, snap a, snap a fairly long winning streak, all those kind of elements, it feels like, uh, when she was one of the favorites to win, you know, that's why it kind of feels like a bigger, a bigger thing than, I don't know, maybe it normally would be, but here in this fight with Tiffany Teo, Back up in weight, not having to cut as much uh, muscle or weight, whatever. And then she thinks that she was kind of taking off some muscle, or taking it away from her by going down to that division, 115 pounds. And down there, she was still one of the hardest hitting 115 pounders on the planet. I mean, some of the knockouts and the power that she possessed almost, almost knocked out Ritu. I mean, this could be a different conversation if she just would have, if she didn't go for that fucking arm bar. <laughs> Mengbo doesn't go for that arm bar and just pounds away on Ritu. We're not even having this conversation right now. Maybe she's fighting Angela Lee like she wanted. But instead, she went for the arm bar. <laughs> so now Tiffany Teo is in the way. And we'll be taking on, in theory, a more powerful Mungbo who gets to retain some of that muscle mass and what have you. A Mungbo who has seemingly, at least from what she said, been working on her wrestling a lot and wants to show it off. She wants to show it off in this fight, which I don't think is something she'll need to do, but I'd, that'd be great to see. I would love to see her implement some of... Uh, the wrestling improvements that she has wanted to make to make up for that Ritu loss, losing the way that she did with her inferior, is that the right word? Inferior takedown defense and just grappling in general as she, again, couldn't finish that arm bar. So I'm, it's very tough to kind of assume how this one will go, but on the feet, I think she should be fine against Tiffany Teo. Um, power advantage, is going to be in her favor against I, probably everybody, really. She might be the hardest hitter in one championship among the women. 
I, I, I think that's that's probably fair to say. Unless I'm forgetting somebody, I apologize. But among both, it's like a hammer. And yeah, Zhang Jingnan is the only one to have beaten Tiffany Teo. And very kind of different styled strikers are um, Bo and Panda. Or Panda of a varied volume kind of striker a little bit. Um, I still think that as much punishment as Tiffany Teo has taken against Panda, that it might be adding up here. And I, I'm not sure how old she is. It doesn't say on here, but I think Tiffany's kind of, I want to say she's getting up there, but she's, she's, Older than Mung. Well, I know that much. So maybe we could see a, a little bit of a breaking point here for Tiffany Teo. Um, but I just think she will probably struggle a bit on the feet. And then her, if Mungbo has made these improvements on the ground, that she is, seems very motivated to have done that. Uh, it's going to be difficult for Tiffany to kind of replicate a performance like Ritu did. So, yes. Oh boy. What is that? Is it, can you guys not hear me? <laughs> Am I having internet issues with the sound? Because I hope not, because I know it's terrible. I desperately need to fix it i apologize <laughs> so i apologize for that can't do anything about it right this moment yikes sorry everybody As jimmy asks drake would you ever go to an mma gym to learn some skills and light spar with some of the fighters do you think that would provide you a different perspective as a journalist uh absolutely absolutely to both of those things um a little bit. It's an intimidating thought. I have thought about it. You know, it's, of course, very intimidating, not just because of kind of the position, you know, that I'm in now, but like, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know if I have like knowing as much about the sport as I do at the current level. Um, uh, okay. I hear you, Rainy says, just trying to change the subject <laughs> as you guys do. Now I'm now I know. The internet is not fine, though. I will let you know that much. As long as you can hear me and not see me. Or as long as you just hear me in general, whatever. But um, what I was getting at was... Uh, I just wouldn't have the confidence in myself at first. You know? Because I'm like, oh, well, I know they're better than me. It'd be, I feel like it'd be just so tough to get myself to actually try as hard as I could <laughs> because it's like no matter what I do it's not gonna not gonna be what I want you know I'm such a perfectionist but I that's it's a great idea though Jimmy I definitely agree and the more working out the better I would say as James likes the idea who knows maybe maybe that can be a project at some point and ghost degrees all right you guys are pressuring me now maybe I will there's plenty of gyms in the Pacific Northwest, you know that. So my only excuses are laziness, I suppose. But all right, I'm going to give my prediction though now, which will be 
Mungbo by second round knockout. I think I think Tiffany will survive to the second round. But excited to see it. Love watching Mung Mungbo fight. Uh, and then back at flyweight, happier and healthier. Gets to eat her hot pots, which she loves so much. But then in the main event of the very first 2020 event for one championship, we do have the panda who we just mentioned as Zhang Jingnan takes on Ayaka Mura. Zombie. The last challenger in theory, unless Mungbo can win. Mungbo wins, then she'll be new blood at, at uh, 125 pounds. But if she loses, geez, division's a little bit fucked. So unless, unless Ayaka wins. And that would be that kind of case. But Ayaka Mura, great judo practitioner, trains with Kana Watanabe every now and then. They're not normal training partners, I don't think. But they have and do train every now and then. And I know they trained ahead of this fight. Got some, some work in together. And then Panda has been training with Ritu recently, actually. So continually honing her grappling as she's always on point in the striking. Uh, Panda's just so fun to watch, man. I really enjoy watching her do her work. That, that'd be a fun breakdown to see, I think, at some point. Personally, maybe we'll get it tonight. We'll see. We shall see. Zhang Jingnan. And then Ayaka Mura. Also might not be a bad one. The uh, Scarfold Queen, as that should be her new nickname, if we're going to be honest. Not the zombie anymore. I mean, all of her fucking wins in one championship have been via Scarfold Armbar. Americana. Excuse me. And then her only loss was a Tiffany Teo, funny enough, who we also just talked about. But uh, that was... That was... I don't know if I agreed with that. I have to go back and watch it again. But I remember not... Thinking that that stoppage might have been a little bit soon. And Ayaka was doing... Pretty, pretty all right in the striking uh, in that fight as well. But we all know what she's best at. It's very, very clear. It, it's happened so much now that people would call her a one-trick pony, but I don't necessarily think that's the case just yet. But no matter what, her striking isn't going to be able to keep up with Jingnan. It, it's pretty cut and dry how this needs to go. Ayaka needs to get her down get her in that scarfold spot and do her thing. But Jingnan continually improving in her grappling as we've <clears throat> continued to see since the Angela Lee fights. And then again, it's becoming maybe more methodical, methodical and, uh, you know, picks her opponents apart more patiently these days with her striking. So, and the body shots are gorgeous, as Ghost does say. Just wants to see some awesome body shots from Panda. Yeah, I think we definitely will. Definitely will see that. Uh, Rue says, Panda couldn't KO Michelle Nicolini when Nicolini had her chin up in the air. Yeah, she's fun to watch, but what happened there? Yeah. She got close, though, didn't she? She knocked her down at the end of the second round, right? Pretty sure she got close, unless I'm thinking of a different fight there, Rue, but... Um, and if that did happen, then it was smart of her not to follow it up. You know, Nicolini, very dangerous on the ground, but 
that was just a very smart performance from Panda overall, I think. And like I said, more methodical and maybe patient with her with her striking approach and looking to pick up her opponents apart more than just relentlessly kind of blitz them a little bit like we saw in maybe the first Angela fight and some others in the past. But I think we could see kind of the same approach because, again, we know what Ayaka is dangerous at. So the fight could play out in that same fashion. But... Tiffany could uh, score a TKO, even though it was early as I, as I, an early stoppage, as I thought, I think Panda very well could too. And yeah, Rain says the Nicolini fight was disappointing. She didn't go to the body in that. It was, yeah, it was a different type of uh, Panda performance, but got the job done. And back on the other idea. Jimmy says you could try and try it for like a week and document your experience. Yeah, that's true. Wouldn't have to necessarily commit commit for like a long period of time, but that's when you get the most out of something, right? I feel like I'd have to do it for a good while, maybe depending on how the first week went, right? <laughs> so you guys are tempting me. You guys are tempting me. Maybe I'll look into it. Always like to do stuff like that. Jimmy says, don't really want to see Scarfolds, so go Panda. All right, there you go. <laughs> I mean, Scarfolds, man, I think they're pretty great. You don't see, it's very rare to see unless it's an Ayaka Mira fight. Um, so I enjoy seeing them. I think it's always crazy, especially if you can continue to do that of all things. But for that to happen to Panda, I just can't see it happening. And I don't think that's her only path to victory, no way. But she needs to get on the ground, I think. Just more time for Panda to continually work on her grappling and wrestling with somebody like uh, Ritu. Only going to be harder and harder from here on out. So Panda going to get it done as much as I do like Ayaka as well. And she is a part of the Kana army. You got to remember that, guys. Ayaka's Team Kana here. Um, I think Jingnan will... I think it'll be, I think it'll be a, a decision. I think she, I think Ayaka will be able to survive. It might get a little sloppy towards the end there from Ayaka's side. I mean, she's never gone five rounds before, right? So maybe it gets finished late. Not sure, but I'll take the safe bet and say unanimous decision for Panda. As Rue says, no, kind of our girl. Yep. Yep. <laughs> But that is one heavy hitters, just two fights. There is also the uh, Muay Thai bout, though, a Katarina. Um, no, not uh, I'm blanking on her name. I'm totally forgetting what her name is. Um, do I have it up here? But uh, was it Wonder Girl, maybe? I have not paid attention to that other bout. What do we got here? I was Vanderyeva. I was right. Ekaterina Vanderyeva. Okay. And then uh, Jarun Sak Muay Thai, as it says. It is it's Supergirl, not Wonder Girl. Okay. There's all the nicknames. Throw me off. Throw me off, man. But that is also happening. And Rain says, oh, no, Team Kana will lose. That's not good. But Scarfolds for me, not cool. <laughs> all right. At least you guys can admit. Admit the sadness, I suppose. 
as that's one heavy hitters wrapping on up get on over to ufc vegas 46 two fights on this card as well my goodness you guys i feel like we should have been done right there so much to talk about as we go back to the strawweight division but the real strawweight division 115 pounds it will be Vanessa Demopoulos versus Silvana Gomez Juarez. Yep. Two of the fighters who made their debuts on short notice didn't go their ways. And now they're back in the divisions that, well, not Silvana, but Vanessa, that they should be. As Demopoulos had the tough one against Aldrich, right? That was her. Well, I guess I can see that was her debut. Yes. Okay. Thought so. One and three in her last four with the loopy madness in that one. Corey McKenna before that on Contender Series. Vanessa Demopoulos, in my opinion, my as respectfully as I can be, I just don't think that she is UFC caliber and proved that yet necessarily, despite the Arceo win on LFA. And I know again, like I said, she got in via short notice as this is near even, which I, if, if Silvana didn't have that fight with loopy and it go the way that it did, I don't think Silvana would be, um, even here. I don't think the odds would be even Silvana would be favored. So, because I'm sure not many people knew of her. And in my opinion, I think she should have been in the UFC a little bit uh, sooner than that. And of course, she is 37, which is quite old for prospect, if you want to use that word, which I think is safe. And that's fair in this case. I know that's a little bit of a debate to be had, but Savannah, very solid striker, puts things together nicely, gets some good... Good leg kicks from her, especially if you go and look at her uh, last win. My goodness. I think, hands down, if you haven't seen this fight, undeniably the worst stoppage of all time. Just absolutely fucking disgusting. So, like, that referee should probably be actually in jail. Like, they just allowed somebody to get beat up when your job is to not do that fight should have been stopped like literally four times. It is one of the most disgraceful referee. Jo it's the most disgraceful referee job I've ever seen. And, and I think anyone who has seen it can probably agree with that. The Gilles Lee Perea victory for Silvana, just maddeningly bad. Silvana just beat the, just every, the, the life out of her should have been stopped way sooner. <sighs> just aggravates you to think about that kind of thing. But Vanessa Demopoulos is very tough. <laughs> she has, we have seen in her JJ Aldrich fight where JJ just kind of too big out wrestled her in that one. And then Vanessa got beat up outboxed pretty much that whole loopy fight, <clears throat> but came back strong late five rounds. So impressive there that she was able to st stick around, but I think Silvana, just a bit more refined and polished um, everywhere, specifically on the feet in this one. And yeah, funny enough, Loopy also beat her. Now I'm just kind of clicking in my head. 
utilizing her grappling a little bit more in in the Silvana fight than the Demopolis one in the LFA. But I just think Silvana, it was a bad, it was a very bad example of her in the last matchup. So uh, as for the other mention, uh, Rue says, Vendor Yeva did beat Yoan in 2012, so should we watch that? I'm not super uh, into the Muay Thai scene, so I've, I've not even, did that happen? So I didn't know if that, you could. I, I did see Vander Yeva's one of her last fights, but I really don't follow the Muay Thai as closely as maybe I should. James is probably going to skip this one. Well, come on now. Jimmy says, worth a watch, and sh or sh and who should we watch? Uh, Silvana for me, if you couldn't tell. I, I just don't think Vanessa's there yet. She could surprise, she sh but she should try and do the same kind of approach that Loopy had in Silvana's last fight, which is make it ugly, get her to the ground. But that's just not quite what we generally see out of Demopolis. And I know we've seen some insane submissions like that inverted triangle choke and Sam Hughes in LFA, but that's not necessarily one you try to get. You know what I mean? Like that just kind of happens <laughs> depending on where you end up. You know, you don't, if anyone like, you don't specifically aim for it, you know, just kind of happens. At least I would say that's my opinion on inverted triangles, but yeah. So, uh, Keep an eye on Silvana. <laughs> Jimmy is what I'm getting at. Jin says, didn't go say that Demopolis rolled with Whaley at fight ready. He may have. May have. I don't. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know as well as he does. I didn't think that Vanessa was an Arizona goer, dweller, whatever you want to say. Fights out of L.A. according to Tapology here. Litchell going with uh, La Mavada. All right. I like it. I like it. Uh, Go says, firstly, she only trained with Whaley for four weeks. Secondly, it was only jujitsu. Lastly, think about Rose training with Martin. You get I say more. Jin says, I'm hoping De Demopolis pulls this off for Team Magnum. She helped Whaley train. Well, all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Four weeks of jitsu. So. Just a matter of kind of Demopolis getting there. Otherwise, I think uh, I, I just think that Silvana is going to be much sharper on the feet. So that'll carry her to the victory, as we've seen it generally do for her when she wins. So La Malvada, the wicked via decision for me. I, I think Demopolis is pretty goddamn tough i don't think she'll get finished but uh she'll she'll take a pretty pretty good beating in there just kind of what she's done in her losses unfortunately for her i got nothing against her of course but uh, i've really liked what i've seen from silvana in her career so that's the pick and yep we are getting spammed james how about that the spammers are finding us as we get on to the rematch, we didn't know we needed <laughs> Caitlin Jukagian versus Jennifer Maya in the co-main event of the evening, which I like to see that. 
but I don't think we need to see this rematch exactly. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm a supporter of both fighters. Uh, one of the few Caitlin supporters, at least one who will back up her abilities and that kind of thing, her not being as boring as a lot of people think she is. And Jennifer Maya, one of the flyweight goats. Um, but I just don't agree with this matchmaking, really. I really don't think it was the right move. Could have been timing, but I think KGB Lee versus Chukagian made more sense. Yeah, I don't know. And the first fight was a bit of a weird one. Not super memorable. I was there for that UFC 244 when Chukagian did get the job done, but... It was kind of a, a, a pretty traditional Jukajian performance. And I think Maya will probably want to try and get She should want to maybe utilize the clinch a little bit more, use her Muay Thai against the cage if she can. Make it, I mean, you always want to get a hold of Jukajian generally. Because she fights very... <clears throat> You know, very active movement, volume striker, fights at distance. We know, we know what we get from Chukajian for the most part. Unless she's taken on Anthony and Shevchenko and beating them into a pulp on the ground. But, you know. <laughs> oh my goodness, Rue. I'm not even going to read that one. How dare you. Um, but this is, this is a, an interesting fight to kind of think about in terms of how it'll play out, because <clears throat> if Maya can't really close the distance, like she couldn't the first time, and I think she'll, it'll probably play out the same way that it did the first time. Um, and I feel like she's made some decent improvements since then, but it's just Jukajian is such a hard fighter to fight. Her style is very problematic for most people. Unless your name is Jessica Andrange or Valentina. You know. But what you gonna do? Go says, or do what Andrade did and slip it. Slip to the inside and punch the body with a rear straight. Yeah. Very true. Could do that, but... I don't know if Maya will will pack the same pop as Andrade. Few do, but fair. Litchell says Caitlin by decision and jab all day. Yeah, jab in your face. Jab it up. Jab a dab a do. I think. Um. Yeah. Uh, as much as I do love Maya, I, I just think Caitlin will get it done again. Maybe a little bit closer than the last fight. This, it was pretty clear. 29-28 uh, for Caitlin last time in 2019. But, yeah. Caitlin 2 unanimous decision. Just wish they would have matched him up differently. Just wish. As Ghost says, I don't know if Maya will even try to slip anything. We'll find out. <clears throat> We will find out. But all right, you guys. 
done with the previews. I am starving now, so very excited. Get me some food after this show. Thank you for tuning in. If you're joining just now, 1.43 into it, if you're on Twitter, don't forget to jump over to YouTube if you want to comment. If you're on YouTube, appreciate you. Like, share, and subscribe, all that kind of thing. You're about to be in for a treat if you ain't been here before. Because at the end of the show, we got fighter techniques to look at, folks. We got phantom punches, phantom punch breakdowns, to be more specific. We got episode or installment, excuse me. Can't call it an episode when it's inside of another episode in episodeception there. Phantom Punch Breakdown installment number 23. Plenty of great guesses this week. Less guesses than the last couple weeks, actually. But that's okay because you guys got it right. You guys got the right guess this week. Now. So many comments, so little time, so much lineup. I forget who, who was right. So claim claim your victory here for predicting the right guess. I haven't even said it yet, James. What are you talking about? <laughs> this week's Fan of Punch Breakdown is Angela Lee, the unstoppable... One championship, Adam Weight, champion of the world, takes on Stamp Fairtex at some point this year. This one is going to be a good one, everybody. Get yourselves ready. All right. Give the give it away to Rue and James for their Angela Lee guesses. As we pull it on up now, get on into it. For Angela Lee clinch entries. Let's begin, shall we? This is not a prediction or ghost favoring a certain fighter. These are tendencies we should watch out for when Angela Lee fights. Opponent moves towards Lee's rear hand in a neutral stance. Body kick lands since the opponent circled into Lee's tracks. Punching off the kick is a good tactic since the opponent has to react to the kick before defending the punch. Take note how each of Lee's clinches, excuse me while I back up, Lee's clinches happen when her opponent's back is near the cage. Left hooked acts as an entry into the clinch. Instead of con consolidating her position in the clinch, Lee goes for the classic head and arm throw, unfortunately. Lands in the classic uh, scarfold. An opponent that knows what they are doing can take the back with ease from this position. We hear about it every time on commentary, Ghost. But good to highlight. On the tracks. Switch step left straight. 
Step in right straight to follow retreating opponent. Lead hook on the opponent's high guard. Rear body kick while the opponent retreats. On the tracks. Choo-choo. Lead hook to enter the clinch. Taking out the opponent's back near the cage as Lee enters. Opponent has double underhooks. Lee responds by widening her base and separating her hips to improve her position in the clinch. While double underhooks is advantageous for the opponent, small adjustments like these help Lee to look to consolidate and even improve her position in the future. Opponent has double underhooks, so Lee under so Lee establishes a head post in the clinch. For those that don't know, a head post is the top of your head underneath the chin of another fighter in the clinch. It's a good idea to throw kicks near the cage as the opponent squares themselves up, thus limiting their options. He throws a body kick while the opponent is squared off. Here against Mei Yamaguchi. Lee blades her base to feed her opponent to the single, feed her opponent the single, and begins to establish a wizard to defend the single leg. Lee consolidates the clinch by widening her base after defending the single. Lee enters with a jab straight on the tracks. Lee is able to get the double collar tie when her opponent decides to exchange after hitting Lee in the chest. Also take note that Lee's clinch entries happen when her opponent's back is near the cage. Take note of the position of the opponent in relation to the cage when Lee initiates an exchange. Level change forces the opponent to back up towards the cage, losing more area of retreat. Right hook eliminates the remaining space that the opponent needs for a linear retreat. Lack of retreating space for the opponent allows Lee to inadvertently headbutt on the clinch entry. Back is near the cage. So Lee is on the tracks. Two contexts where Lee likes to enter the clinch. Catching kicks is a hard skill to master. However, in this context, it becomes easy since the low kick is initiated on the tracks. Naked low kicks on the tracks or naked body kicks to the close side of on the tracks are two of the easiest kicks to catch in all of fighting since they are easily seen. Lee pushes into her opponent past her base. Since the opponent's head, center of mass, is past the base, she becomes completely off-balanced. Almost lands a knee there. Nice and legal. As Lee secures a front headlock after spalling over the opponent's panic shot. 
Opponent's back is near the cage. Lee is on the tracks. Lee enters with a front kick and a hook from the same side. Lee drops her base to consolidate the over-under clinch. Back to the cage. Lee on the tracks. Lee enters with her favorite left hook, O-Ran combo, when she has her opponent backing up. This forces her opponent to clinch up, which is exactly what Lee wants. Lee takes advantage of the clinch by driving her opponent to the cage and getting her hips and base outside the opponent's hips. Lee gets hip separation to land a knee. Back to the cage on the tracks here in the Zhang Jingnan first fight. One of the best fights of all time. Opponent is forced to clinch after Lee enters. Hip separation as well as single collar tie and bicep tie allows Lee to land a clinch knee while breaking the opponent's posture. Kablamo, clinch knee lands. Overhook and palm underneath opponent's chin allows Lee to reserve reverse, excuse me, the position. The overhook connects Lee and her opponent while the palm underneath the chin breaks the opponent's posture. Hand under the opponent's chin creates hip separation. Lee also has her hips outside her opponent, giving her the perfect angle to land a knee. Oh, that fight was too good, man. Jingnan uses an interesting tactic as soon as she gets on the fence. She squares up Lee by moving to the left as Lee comes in on the fence, shoulder to shoulder since we can't see the feet. You know what? This is a little bit of a, a little bit of a panda breakdown as well, huh? A little bit in there. Some sprinkles of the champ in this breakdown, huh? Jingnan squares up Lee and lands a beautiful body jab. So we got two guys getting the predictions right here. There were some some panda predictions. We are big fans of fighters that can hook off the body jab, off the body jab. Even though this is not a Jingnan breakdown, this is still cool, right as I say that. <laughs> Lee walks forward to initiate the clinch when her opponent takes her off the tracks. This is a tendency stamp Fairtex might try to exploit. Jingnan lands a knee to the body as Lee is fighting for the bicep tie in the head post. All these elements allow Lee to push Jingnan to the cage. Jingnan might have landed a good knee, but this position gives Lee an advantage. On, back that up. Head post, as you can see, circled. Bicep tie, the overhook, and hip separation. Keep it separated. Lee drops her level to prepare a knee. Jingnan checks Lee's knee with her own. 
When Lee is on the tracks and her opponent's back is near the fence, you can expect her to strike into the clinch in a straight line. Hold up, hold up. Missed the things here. Uh, this is good for Lee since her opponents only have three options. One, counter strike step out to the side door, like Jingnan tried. Two, accept the clinch. Three, sidestep to the left or the right. We know the stamp is very good at punching fighters that enter on the tracks, but has trouble when the fighter changes positions before and after exchanges. Uh, see stamp versus Dana Todd, for example. Jingnan still got clinched up and taken down, but she made Lee's clinch entries difficult by getting on the fence and squaring Lee up, which forced Lee to chase the clinch instead of strike into it. Do you think Stamp can make Lee work to get the clinch like Jing Nan did? That is the question. And a good one, Ghost. Got me a good bit more excited for that fight. It's going to be an interesting one. Uh, I don't know. Obviously, we'll find out, but... Stamp making Lee work to get at the clinch like Jing Nan. I don't think we've... I was going to say, I don't think we've seen enough evidence so that she can do that in past fights, but I guess, you know, against Ritu was good enough. <laughs> it was good enough of an example of a taste right before this fight will happen, but... I don't know. It just seems hard for me to imagine her replicating that the same way Jing Nan did. Um, because it's Jing Nan. But I think it's it's certainly possible. Ghost. I, I can't. It's tough for me to give a definitive answer on that. But. Because it's Angela Lee as well who. I mean. I don't know if she'll have. I think she'll have more success than Ritu, I guess. Let's put it that way. So stamp, stamp can, but will she? I'm going to say no right now, even though Angela, we have no idea how she'll come back from pregnancy. She's been inactive, all that kind of thing. I'm going to I'm gonna believe in her because the Lees are obvious fucking freaks. In a good way, that's a compliment. Freaks of nature, athletes, fighters. So another one in the books. Band of Punch Breakdown. Number 23, hope you enjoyed. Nope. Let me get to the old comment roundup. The uh, fastballs, as we'll call them. Running on through. And I know that Craig Johnston had a question here. I'm sorry I missed that. I'll get back to it here at the end of the show. If you're still here, Craig, shout out to you. But here we are. James saying, oh, yeah, I was right. Uh, Rue says, oh, actually, no, I didn't guess that. <laughs> Taking credit for nothing. Jimmy says, clinch entries, new topic. James says, off the bat, Ghost is talking about predictions. Rue says, punching off the kick. Themes, you betcha. Alvin congratulating Mrs. Lee. Jimmy says, unfortunately. I don't know what the unfortunately was for. <laughs> for, for the predictions, I don't know. Rain says, on the tracks. Rain says, overarching themes. Jin says, can Lee do this to stamp? That's the opposite of the question. Um, Centro, from now on, I'm going to say, I guess that before Drake reveals the Phantom Punch breakdown. Might as well. Might as well just, just say it. 
Jimmy says, I can't throw kicks near a cage since my gym is open. Matt. James asking, what's the difference between the wizard and overhook? Ryan says, this all of Angela's clinch entries in her career. Bruce says, where's the spicy talk this week? Ghost saying, wizard is an overhook, but the person applying the overhook is lifting the armpit towards the ceiling. An overhook is just a position. Jimmy says, ghost ran about catching kicks. Jen says, what happened to comedic ghost? <laughs> Rue says, Drake, do you prefer spicy ghost or educational ghost? Of course I prefer. I Educational ghost is, it's ghost in general. That's just what he is, right? But spicy ghost, I like spicy ghost if he's not, not being mean about it. Because we know that he can get aggressive towards the chess boys. If he keeps that over there, I'm fine with it. If it's all in good fun, which I think... It mostly has been. I think so. He's gone. He's gone a little too. Some things have been a little too on the nose, but for the most part, I, I hey, they're still up, right? I didn't, I didn't cut anything out. I, didn't, I can edit things if I want, you know. So uh, he's been all right so far with the spice in the past. <laughs> uh, James says, if you fuse Alvin, yeah, Katorian Ghost, you get Robin Black. Whoa, mind blown. James says you would get Alvin's positivity as well as ghost analytical mind. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Rain says Jing non cameo. Mr. Lee showing up late. He says, I agree. Alvin, congrats to Mrs. Lee. Centro, uh, I pre predicted Jing non. So this counts. I, it's that's I'd count that as half a win. Jimmy says, couldn't stamp his fellow Panda's game plan from the first fight. Mm -hmm. Could try. Probably should try. Rain says, Ghost loves when someone hooks off the jab, the body jab. Yeah, I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's fantastic. Uh, and go Jimmy says, Ghost, you know the answer to your question. He always does. He always does. Centro, why does uh, Ghost like to ask questions? You already know. It's because it's for me to ponder. The, the, as we mentioned earlier in the show, this segment began in the mailbag. This, is, this was birthed from the mailbag. So it's not about Ghost knowing it's about him testing me really this is just a knowledge test for us you guys and as he mentions he also says um we don't know if she can do this the fight hasn't happened yet there's also that there's also that good point <laughs> good point ghost <laughs> so uh da, da, da. craig says <clears throat> oh this is the one from earlier okay i'll get to that in a sec i'll get us thank you for the repost though uh, Jimmy says educational ghost. Ghost says the chess boys deserve it. Hey, I I can't comment on that. I'll take your word for it. Um, Sintra says, how come you take out the chat portion when you put it in the playlist? Uh, just I mean, it makes it makes editing easier, um, shorter, that kind of thing. And I don't know. Do you do you want me to keep these parts in? I I figured, and, and like if somebody goes to a fan of punch breakdown and they don't follow the show or don't like see the show first. I think about like, they'll be like, what the fuck is this all about? Kind of thing. And I mean, I feel like it's pretty obvious. We, that this is a part of its own thing, but I don't know. I feel like convenience sake, pretty much. It's a lot more convenient for me, but if you want it in, I, I guess that's fine. Um, I just thought it was a common preference. I guess. Let me know. What you think, I mean, I don't, that doesn't affect it too much, but it just, it like kind of deceives, I think, you know, with the length because it adds on a couple more minutes, but whatever. Um, 
Jimmy says birth from the mailbag. And also, yes, yeah. But the the chat is like for this for the this show. WMA today. It's not for I mean it is. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> I'm overcomplicating this incredibly. Uh Ghost says not testing you guys as things to think about for sure. James says, I like the banner punch when you take the chat, when you take out the chat. All right, yeah. See, so I mean it makes it more segmenty, I guess. For for being taken out, for separating the segment from the actual what we're doing now. <laughs> I went on about that. Went on about that. Alvin says, incredible breakdown, Mr. Ghost. Indeed, couldn't agree more. Bueno, bueno, bueno. All right. As Craig does have his question. I told him I would get to it. Uh, he says, I know this might be random, Drake. Might be random, Drake. How did the chat know so much about Whaley and her training partners? They are very dedicated fans, Craig. They follow her on WeChat and all those things that I don't know how to do. Just very dedicated fans. And uh, some of them may even have trained with or around her, that kind of thing. So they're in the know, man. Team Magnum ain't no joke. So, I mean, hey. I could tell you more than you probably would have imagined about Dominic Cruz. I've, I've been in the same boat. Not I don't follow him as I'm not as dedicated as I used to be, but I used to be able to. If you really want it, you can get inside a fighter's life pretty easily. Maybe not like personally or whatever, but you can follow a lot of things they do and learn so much about them just by really trying to. You know, it's just kind of like keeping up with research. So I've been in their same boats and uh, it's nice to have around for overall knowledge sake as we get some team magnums out there from jimmy and james double j's but <clears throat> all right good stuff there second show of 2022 man long previews today so much to preview gonna be long recaps next week i don't know if i like it space it out a bit mma even though I guess we don't have to talk about everything, but that's the duty that I'm doing. Try to do. So <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, Craig saying very cool. Drake, thank you for all for being such an inclusive bunch and your respect for such a great fighter. Well, I'm glad you think so, Craig, and happy to have you, man. Um, happy to have anybody who supports the show and whatnot. Just trying to have, yeah, a nice positive community here and show respect and appreciation to some fighters who deserve some love that maybe they don't get as regularly. So we give it to them every goddamn Monday. And that's how we'll wrap this up. Don't forget, if you haven't already, for some odd reason, follow us, like, share, and subscribe to the channel. At Drake underscore, at Steve K underscore MMA, at the Scrap News. Audio-only versions now on Anchor and Spotify. You can search WMA today. Links in description, right below, right below. Since we're live, I can still do that. The chat is over on this side, right? This side, you guys are over here. Uh, yeah, I already got the plugs out of the way for Yan Zhao Nan, who I spoke to on Saturday. Dropped that today. Go check it out. You know what? I should do when I'm alone like this without Steve, or even when I am with him, I should just like. No, I'm not going to do it. I was going to pull it up and screen share. 
I don't want to do it. Too lazy. Just trying to get out of here. Uh, <laughs> on though. I spoke to her. Go check that one out. Getting ready to take on Marina Rodriguez, UFC 272. Good chat with her, as always. Talked about lots of things, as we do. Spoke to uh, Julia Budd and Lance Gibson Jr., senior, excuse me. Uh, talked to them right before this, actually, for a project that I will be releasing this week, hopefully, that I've been a little project I've been trying, wanted to get out before the end of 2021, but I needed their comments and thoughts. A little unique kind of one, melting pot of ideas, looking at a dynamic in MMA. That'll be your little hint, but I'll have that coming out and some other comments from Julia as well. Good stuff. Catching up with her as always, but uh, I'm excited to get this out because I, it's a good topic that think needs some looking at because it's uh very common so look forward to that i think it'll be exciting and um yeah yeah so that, that's on the way as well and then got some other things lined up broaden horizon episode 12 about to get in production about to get we haven't started yet but it's coming some other people as well outside of that a lot of things in the works, you guys. It's a brand new year. Get excited. Get pumped. Stay positive. All that kind of thing. Things will get better. And for me, I think things are going to get good this year. They've, they've been good, but they're only going up. I dropped a lot of hints right there just now. But I uh, appreciate you guys greatly so, so much. Can't wait to see you next week. Chris says, great show. Fantastic community. We try, man. Ghost says, yeah, Jimmy Craig for the win as he's the newest member to Team Way, uh, Team Magnum. Um, let's give Chris some love as well. Jimmy says, Chris, you're the man. Rue, Chris is great. Love when you were on SCMP. He is the best. Centro, Chris and Nick are my favorites. And when Drake shows up on SCMP, my guy, my guy. Yeah. The dynamic duo, those two, the Hong Kong boys, the Brits in HK, even though Nick is still at home, he hasn't come back yet. Uh, Alvin saying, Mr. Edwards Bailey, love your thoughts on SCP and fantastic show, Drake. Glad you think so. And I guess I should also plug the Mung Bo interview too, since I did speak to her before this fight this week. Go check that out. Also, <clears throat> it's all on my YouTube channel, as always, got the videos there and whatnot. But I think that about does it. I think that about does it for the pluggity plugs. Yeah, I think so. All right, you guys. Until next week, stay safe, stay sane, enjoy all the action starting on Wednesday with Invicta, ending on Saturday with UFC. You love to see it. We back. All right, guys. Peace. <laughs>